Well, happy Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that uh, the church began, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what that means for us and, and, and for me and for you. And, but first, I wanted to, to give a quick update, because uh, the last time I spoke, I talked a lot about my, my heart condition, and then some of you were like, so what's going on? Like, you, you left us hanging, right? Um, so... I just want to tell you that I have gone to the doctor recently. All my blood work looks amazing. All those heart numbers are where they should be. Um, and I have an echocardiogram coming up in a couple months. Things are good. Yeah, I feel good. Um, just, you know, the nature of this, this condition is that you just never know when things are going to go south. And I'm just trusting that the Lord has a plan. Um, I, I'm, there's a gentleman that I connected with at convention in Florida last week, and uh, he has the same condition. We've kind of kept in touch with one another, and, and his journey is the same way. It's kind of up and down, up and down, up and down, and we just know how our bodies feel, and right now my body feels good, and uh, so things are, things are going well. So um, no immediate danger. I want to start real quick before we pray for this message. If you have your Bibles, turn into uh, John chapter 3, uh, verses 25 through 28. And it says, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. I'm in the ESV. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing. And all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You were created with a unique fingerprint. Even if you are an identical twin, you may have the same DNA, but you have different fingerprints. And you were created with that fingerprint to make an impression on this world only you can make. And the context for that mark you will leave is relationship. The greatest temptation we will face in life is to live a divided life. Lord, would you be with us this morning as we delve deep into the understanding of how you've created us, what you've created us for, and how your Holy Spirit brings to fulfill those things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You were created in the image and likeness of God. The image and likeness of God. And I wanted to say, God is a humble relationship. How many of you have heard that term before? God is a humble relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And I'm going I'm to go a little bit deeper. The Father is the initiation. Right? The Father initiates. The Son is the agreement. He agrees. And the Spirit is the fulfillment. So, so picture, if you will... A humble relationship, all parts 
of the Trinity submitting to one another and a dance that takes place, one that has no ego, one that is for all. And you were created in that image and likeness. You were created with a body, a soul, and a spirit. You're created with an intellect, emotions, and a will. And God's design for you is to be connected in humble relationship with him and with others. That's the design. That's the creation. And he shows us and he leads the way in that. He, he, Jesus came and modeled what that would look like and then he sent his spirit on this day to give us the empowerment to do it, to fulfill it. But somewhere along the way, right? Come on, somebody, somebody tell me you're listening. Somewhere along the way, it just got messed up. The two most used metaphors in Scripture are body and family, which emphasizes the relational focus of the church and our need for relationship. Love is not optional. Relationship is not optional. There's been so much breaking of relationship lately. Just acknowledging the elephant in the room, just acknowledging what's happening in the church, not just here, but all over the country. There's been a lot of breaking of relationship. And, and I know Pastor Mark has talked about it before, breaking of relationship over things that seem silly. But we were, not, we were not designed to break relationship with one another. We were designed to be in relationship with one another. And all of these things that are coming in and attempting to break us apart aren't just an attack from the outside. It's what's inside of us that's beginning to rise to the surface. Things that we've never taken the time to really deal with and understand. Things that we've never really worked through in our own lives. And when we're isolated from one another, those things begin to rage against wisdom. Proverbs 18.1 says that. And so we walk away from relationship. But see, we need one another. What, is the, what, is the, what does scripture say about how they will know who we are? By our love for one another. They will know you by your love for one another. We need God and we need each other to fulfill the design that was set upon us at creation. Here's a harsh reality, though. Our lack of ability to relate to ourselves, a lack of ability to relate to other people, a lack of ability to regulate our emotions, and our lack of ability to work through difficulty is one of the greatest dangers that we face because things begin to break down and people begin to retreat and isolation begins to occur and all kinds of things float through our heads.
Relationship is not an option. I remember when, when uh, the, the first, okay, I am an introvert. You're like, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I am an introverted person who can turn on extroverted things when I need to. When we are at Disneyland, when my wife and I are at Disneyland, I am doing everything I can to avoid the crowds. <laughs> I, can, I can be extroverted when, it, when it's needed, but I, I don't receive any kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't receive what I need in crowds. I receive what I need when I'm connected to my family and when I'm home when I'm, when I'm connected to those who I'm, I'm, I'm in, especially in relationship with, and then I fill up there and I'm able to bring that out, right? So when, when, when the whole isolation thing first started, people were like, oh man, we're gonna have to isolate, we're gonna have to not be able to be with one another. And, and my wife, I don't know if, my wife's a, very much an introvert, and her first reaction was, oh no, Oh no. Who knew it was going to be as long as it was, right? Our pastor Larissa has COVID right now. We, we, we sort of, we were at the airport and we were saying, well, what do you think we're going to Florida for? What do you think we're going to receive? And we were like, probably COVID. <laughs> she was so careful too. We all were. But from the get-go, we we were created with the need for attachment. Just, just hear me for a second. From the get-go, we were created with a need for attachment. And, and here's, here's a definition of what healthy attachment is. Healthy attachment is engaging mutually in need-based relationships. I don't need anything. Yes, you do with the ability to regulate emotions. Let me read it again. Healthy attachment is the ability to engage in mutually need-based relationships with the ability to regulate emotions. You were created with that need. All of us, introverts, extroverts, everybody, was created with the need to be in healthy need-based relationships. With with the understanding that you're going to need things from people around you, and they're going to need things from you. But during the early years of your life and my life, children learn to metabolize their caregiver's love, belonging, safety, attunement. Their little brains connect to the brains of their caregivers. And even though they can't speak or fully understand, there's a connection that is taking place. Belonging, safety, attunement. Let me say those. Belonging, safety, attunement. Who do we know that walked the earth and modeled those three perfectly? Belonging, safety, Attunement. Attunement is simply what Jesus did with the woman at the well. Connection. Attunement is simply what Jesus did with the woman caught in adultery.
And as children connect to their caregiver, they begin to form emotional memories which soothe comfort in times of stress. That's how it was designed. During that time, children learn to reach out to others. Children learn to need others. Children learn to depend on others. And children learn that others become the source of good things. That's how it's designed. But how many know that's not how it always works? For many, that's not how it worked at all for you. Many may not experience that. Some of our earliest memories are a mixture of the good and the bad. And when we learn that there are good and bad, we also learn a valuable lesson of what's called integration. We learn to integrate the good and the bad if we are given the tools that we need through the emotional soothing that we get from our parents. But many of us don't learn that. We learn the bad is very bad and we want to avoid it at all costs. And we learn that the good is the gold standard and if we don't have the good, then it's bad. Come on. Some of my memories from childhood. Driving up the coast on my birthday, I was a little boy. Driving up the coast, we stopped at Pismo Beach. Our van got stuck. Our motorhome got stuck in the sand. I remember that. I remember going to Hearst Castle. I remember my birthday cake in the back of the Winnebago. I remember the bullhorns that my dad had put on the front of the Winnebago. He got a giant set of longhorns and he put them on the front of the Winnebago and it was how we knew that was ours, right? It was our mark. And on the side of the Winnebago was a big uh, Taurus the bull, right? I also remember vividly the morning my mother confronted my father for cheating on her again. I remember the time I hit a home run in Little League. I hit a lot of home runs, by the way. <laughs> I remember that this particular time I hit a home run in Little League and my father had just shown up. He didn't usually come to games, but there he was. And I remember him, I just vividly remember him walking and the, and the gate, the, the whatever you want to call it, uh, where the stands are, and I remember him looking and I remember him watching it. Because <laughs> I'm looking at him as I'm running. <laughs> yeah. It's a vivid memory. I remember the time I watched my dad hit my mother in the kitchen. I'll never forget it. It's there forever. Some of you have that memory. I remember the three of us riding our bikes to the beach. We discovered that if you stayed in the riverbed up in Los Angeles, you could ride all the way to the beach. What a day that was. 
Nobody was yelling. It was great. We stopped. We had lunch. I remember the day that my mom and I drove away. Because she had had enough. The truth is, for many of us, we live our entire life with damage. That's just the truth. And we come into spaces like this and we, we put on a happy face. And we hope that people don't notice that maybe we're struggling things we don't talk about. You were not only designed for a relationship, but you were designed to be uniquely you. Back to children. Babies are born whole. There's no distinction between what's going on inside of them and what's going on outside of them. There's no governor to cover over feelings or express another feeling in order to be accepted. Babies aren't processing that. We learn that along the way we lose the capacity to be who we really are. Somewhere around school age. Maybe it's a little earlier for you. Maybe you were the protector in your family. Maybe you had to protect your siblings. Maybe you had to, to figure out what the climate was going to be in your home. Do you, do you remember the, the, I forget, uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the Clint Eastwood movie shows up? Do, 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 do. Remember that? Like, okay. That was what it was like every day when my dad came home from work. <laughs> And you could tell, come on, somebody, somebody agree with me. You could tell what kind of afternoon it was going to be by how hard or soft the door slammed in the El Camino. Come on. And maybe, maybe what things were being said or not said the moment it came through the door. And so you learn, you learn what's safe, you learn what to regulate, what not to regulate, what to say, what not to say, where to be. Jim Gaffigan, comedian, you guys know Jim Gaffigan, he said, wherever my dad was in the house, we were on the other side. It's funny, but somewhere along the way when we get old enough to begin to understand things, the people in our lives begin to show us what's okay, what's not okay, what's safe, what's not safe. And through our relationship with God and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and dig through all of those compartments, we begin to unlearn all of those things. But so often, when we're in a church community, we reinforce those things. What's okay to say, what's not okay to say. Or it's too difficult of a conversation, I don't want to have it, so I'm just going to slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Come on. What's the next line? 
No need to be coy, Roy. Just set yourself free. I'm aging myself. Yeah. Because how we've been conditioned by our circumstances, how we've been conditioned by our family of origin, how we've been conditioned by the people that we went to school with, they all play a role in how we act in our adult life. And we want to believe that because we have Jesus and his Holy Spirit that all those things just go away. And it's just not true. His Spirit empowers us to work through all of that to get to that place. But we miss it. Somewhere along the line, you realize that your true feelings are not safe. You get made fun of. You get marginalized, even hated. I don't know if I told this story last time, but there was a group of kids that I was hanging out with when I first went to high school. Did I tell this one already? And uh, I'll tell it, just tell it. Hanging out with this group of kids, me and a couple other guys, and uh, they decided that we didn't have enough kids in our group, so they wanted to integrate into this bigger group of kids, and there were some more popular kids in that group, and so we just kind of migrated over, you know, just kind of kind of slip into the group, you know, there's like 20 or 30 of them just kind of slip in and start hanging out, like, yeah, I've been here the whole time, yeah, man. And I'll never forget when this young guy walked over to me. We we're all young. I don't know why I said that. And he said, hey, uh, Kevin? Ke is Kevin? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen you here in this group. Yeah, no, me and uh, Augie and Steve, we came. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know them. None of us like you. And we don't want you to hang out here. Yikes! What do you say at that moment? You're like, okay, oh, okay. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling that story to to to, to gain any kind of sympathy because because probably everybody in this room was bullied at some point in school, right? We've all faced it. But I I, I say the, the the extremeness of that story is that. Everything the world tries to throw at you to make you feel like you do not belong, that you are not safe, it throws at you. So there's this full force attack to take you away from your design. You were designed for relationship. You were designed to be the unique person that you were created to be. And your whole life, this world tries to dismantle that. Am I, am I speaking a lie? We've all experienced it. Some of us are still experiencing it. And on this Sunday... The Holy Spirit would say, let me help you get back to your design. Let 
Let me help you discover who you were created to be. Let me help you discover who you are. Let me help you discover what that fingerprint was designed to do to make a mark on this world that no one else can leave. Because everybody around you, all your circumstances, growing up, everything you've experienced is purposefully trying to take you away from that. That's why it's such a gift. Parker Palmer, the founder of the Center of Courage and Renewal, defines the following concerning the divided life. Because once you realize it's not safe, once you realize you don't belong, we begin to live the divided life. The life over here that you understand, this is who I really am, but I can't let anybody know who I really am because they don't accept that. So you begin to put on a face. So this is what Parker Palmer describes it as, the signs of the divided life. We care way too much about what others think. And then there's a whole group of us who are like, I don't care what anybody thinks. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. We spin the truth, we exaggerate, we lie to make ourselves look better. Come on, please don't make me feel like I'm the only one that's done that. We blame others rather than taking responsibility for our own actions. We avoid confrontation like it's the plague. We say yes when we prefer to say no. Can anybody relate to that? Put your legs up if you would need to. <laughs> the consequences of a divided life, we lose touch with our souls and we disappear into our roles. We begin to be what we think brings value to those around us and how we feel value. We sense that something is missing and we search the world for it. Even after we've come to faith in Christ, we search for meaning. And the reason why it's so difficult to find is because it's literally under your nose. It's you. God wants you to be you. But I'm wicked and deceitful above all things. Yeah, that, the unredeemed heart is, yes. But God created you uniquely you. And he has a purpose and a plan for you. Another consequence, we feel fraudulent. Anybody ever experienced imposter syndrome? Maybe you've been trained for something. You, you've been given an opportunity to do something and you're in the middle of it, you're in the mix, and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Jonathan, can I share what I said to you this last week? Okay, Jonathan and I work on, on getting money to our global partners, and there was an email feed going back and forth, and I'm reading all these emails, and there's lots of information, and I finally just said, Jonathan, pretend like I'm in junior high. Just pretend like I'm in junior high and just explain it as though 
a middle schooler is listening. And he did a great job. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so lost. Our inauthenticity and projections make real relationship impossible, leading to our loneliness. Some of the loneliest people are those who appear that they have it all together. They're just projecting power. They're just projecting that they're happy. They're just projecting that everything's okay. And then when you hear them and when you talk with them, you think that, wow, they sure got it all together. And in reality, they're just as big a mess as you are. <laughs> and I am. They're just not honest about it. Our contributions to the world, especially through the work we do, are tainted by duplicity or de deceitfulness, double-mindedness. There's no greater suffering than leading a lifelong lie. Because when you're at home, after you've spent the entire day projecting who you think you are to people that you're really not in relationship with, what happens to you when you sit on the couch? Absolutely zero fulfillment occurs. What am I even doing? Can I just ask an honest question over the last few years? How many have ever sat in your home and, and maybe you're alone and, and said this thing to yourself? What am I even doing? What is this even about? Anyone? No one? <laughs> yeah, I know there's a lot of us. If you, uh, turn to, to John chapter 9, if you could. I can do it on my phone here. Jesus passed by and saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? I mean, what a horrible question. Here's this suffering dude on the side of the road, and like that was the understanding in the ancient world. He is in trouble. He's blind. He's been blind since birth. Somebody must have done something wrong. And Jesus went on to explain, and, and then he, what did he do? He created this little mud thing for his eyes, and Questions. Who healed you? I'm, I'm, come on, the guy just puts stuff on my eyes and I'm, I'm okay. But I want to read toward the bottom. Start in verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God and he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said into the, to the blind man, what do you say about him since He's opened your eyes. He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had, been, who had received his sight. Verse 19. And asked them, is this your son? 
who you say was blind, born blind. How then does he now see? And listen to this. His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who should confess Jesus to be Christ would be put out of the synagogue. The word put out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this. The original word is aposto naugugos. This is the literal translation. Ostracize. Removed from human connection. Excommunicated. Our need and desire for belonging is so great that at times, rather than to be removed from human connection, to be ostracized, we won't even back up our own kids. Now, I know nobody in this room would ever do something like that, but understand how powerful the need for human connection is and why it is, it is the place where the enemy begins to manipulate. He begins to use all of our, all of our insecurities. He begins to use all of our fears. He begins to use all of the things that we have maybe never had an opportunity to work through because human connection is so powerful and so important that he knows that he can manipulate us in it. So what does all this mean? It means that if we don't understand why and how we were designed for relationships, it means that if we don't understand the why and the how we were designed to be uniquely us and who we were created and how those two things work in concert with one another and that God has brought us, this group of people, together for such a time as this to learn how to relate to one another, to be vulnerable with one another, to be honest with one another, to work through all of the issues that maybe caused us to be damaged growing up. We all have them. But God brought us to this point in life so that we can understand how important both of those things are and we can begin to relate with one another and work through all of the issues that we work through so that the world will know that we have him. That's what it's all about. But what do we do? We bicker. We argue. We bicker. We argue. We come up with things that we think other people are thinking. And we Let me turn this off again. One, two, two, two. So we run from the uncomfortableness. We run from the pain of having to work through issues. We run from confrontation. We run from discovering who we really are on the inside, the person we were designed to be. We never work through the things that the enemy meant to separate us from people and to separate us from understanding. Relationship is key and 
and who we were created to be is key. We run from all of those things, and when we have problems with one another, we slip out the back, Jack. We move. We stop answering. I've literally had people at a grocery store after a church split go like this. Like, I see you. Just because you put your hand doesn't mean I can't recognize that hairdo, right? I see you. Oh, hi, Pastor Gavin. How are you, right? Because we just don't want to go there. So I believe there is a purpose to everything that we've been through. I just believe it. Do I believe that God caused it? I don't, I don't think so. But do I believe that God will use it? Yes. And what will he do in it? How will he use it? He will use it to get us back to our design. He will use it to get us back to our design. Our design to understand who we are, our design to be in relationship with one another, so that, say it if you know it, the world will know Him because of the love we have for one another. Look, I've been married for 32 years. And my wife and I, we have had some bumps. Can I get an amen from any spouses in the room that have had some bumps? Some, just go ahead and say it. We've had some bumps. Yeah. When my wife was pregnant um, with our daughter, we were picking up somebody from the airport, and, uh, and we, we didn't have a car big enough to accommodate their luggage, so we took one of the church vans, and we're driving through the Las Vegas airport, and there are bumps in the Las Vegas airport that are huge, but you can't see them because they're the same color as the concrete or the blacktop. And my wife is probably eight months pregnant and we're driving through and I hit one of those bumps going as fast as you could possibly go at that time and our heads hit the roof of the van. Ah! You've ever experienced a bump like that? She thought the baby was coming. It was an all-out emergency. We were freaking out. How many can say that you've had some bumps in your life with relationships like that? Like, it feels like everything's going to blow up. But you press in. You press into relationship and you press into who you are. Why? So that you can be in that relationship. And what does God do with that relationship? He shows everyone around you. There's a purpose for that. Are you catching? Are you catching what I'm saying? Press in to relationship at your job, here at your church, here in, 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 in all of these areas where we need connection. And God will do a miracle. We need to know our true selves. How can you die to yourself if you don't know who you are? How can you lay down your life if you don't know what it is? 
these are the last things that I, I want to walk us through. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can take these and be curious. How can I be free from fear of what others think of the real me? You know, we, we tell ourselves we don't care what people think as a defense mechanism. How can I make pure decisions, not those to gain the approval of others or to avoid disapproval? How can I avoid pretending everything is fine when it's not? How can I embrace the person God created me to be? How can I receive power from the Holy Spirit not to thump people over the head with scripture, but to learn who I am and to learn the relationships he's called me to and to do that with boldness despite all I've been through as a human being. That's real power. We heard a word at convention this last week and we want to hold on to the power that we've had modeled for us. <laughs> the speaker that we, the one speaker we heard even went so far as to say, even after spending three years with Jesus, the disciples still said, so when are we taking over Rome? You've been walking with Jesus your whole life and you still wonder when is your power going to destroy all this evil? And God would say to you this morning that the power he gave you is to love one another and to be in real relationship with each other and to work through all the garbage so that the world will know him. Not run from it not flee relationship, but to press in. Is Nathan out there? Come, go ahead and come on up. We're going to have communion and all that good stuff. But I, 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 I want us to, no, I want me, I want, I want me, and if, and if, and if you feel the desire to join it, that's fine, but I, I want me to understand the significance of what God is calling us to. There's all kinds of things that are being said about the church, right? Like, man, for the first time in our history, there are fewer people going to church. Churches are being decimated by 
COVID and the response to COVID and people are making big decisions about whether or not they want to be connected in relationship and then you hear all the different things that people are saying about the church and the church thinks this and thinks that and believes this and believes that and I don't believe that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying these things. Like, it's, it's legitimately happening. And we can take a posture that it's like, okay, well, we're going to fix all that. Let's just fix all those things. Or we can do something that maybe other places and people aren't doing. And we can press into one another. Because what God has for us is right here. We can have that conversation about how we feel. We can have that conversation about what maybe is causing you to feel like you want to move away from relationship. What's my purpose? What am I here for? How can I be a part of what God is doing? And as we do that as a community, we're going to have conflict. Oh, no. And as we do that as a community, we're going to have disagreements. As we do that as a community, we're going to have frustrations. But as we're honest about all of it and we're honest about ourselves and we're honest about these relationships, God will do something. God will open up our eyes to show us that we really do care for one another. We really do want what God wants for us and for those around us. And I don't know how he does it. I don't know what he does, but I've experienced it. When, when, when people begin to do that, God begins to show people who aren't in these seats yet who aren't in our connection yet, who aren't part of us yet, and he begins to draw all men. It's God's job to build the church. It's our job to love one another and to relate with one another and to be there for one another. That's all we've been called to do. And as we do that, and we're patient, God will bring others because what we will have will be so attractive that they'll want to be in our midst. I know it's a tall order. It's a tall order, I know. You don't know what I've been through. You don't, you don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know, you know how frustrated I am. You don't, you don't know any of those things. I know I don't know, but God knows. And there is a roadmap. Father, I want to live out my true self, a life undivided. I ask you to fill me with the same power that raised Jesus from the grave so that I can begin to make bold decisions based on reality and not the approval of men. And I will know that these are the right decisions because they will align with who you created me to be. And they will also deepen my relationships with others. They will not lead to my isolation. If you pray that prayer, maybe you don't quite understand it fully, but if you want that, just say amen. 